and welcome to episode 104 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I am Mitch. You may not recognise this voice, but it is Mitch. And with me, as always, is Joe. Hi, Mitch. Hi. I think I'm better than you. You sound very nasally at the moment. Oh, I was trying a new sexy voice. It's not working? No, not for oh, me. maybe it is nasally then. Okay. Yes. I, yes. I'm sure it's somebody's thing. Mm. Not mine. Hopefully yes. it's yours, dear listener. Mm. I'm not Dirty Uncle Mitch at all. No, that's the other podcast. Yes. I got mm. called Creepy the other day. Really? Mm. Was it like, hang on, I'll take dirty. I don't know about creepy. Yeah, creepy's very different. Yeah, there's no... I mean, dirty can be fun. It's like, oh, he's that uncle who tells those the wrong jokes and off-colour. Creepy's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah, not something to be proud of. Not creepy. Dirty. Mm. I'll take dirty. I'll accept dirty. With two R's, like Christina Aguilera. Ooh. I've got to get around my arseless chaps again. Mm. Mm. Then you would be creepy. Ah, oh, is that the difference? I think so. Okay, yeah, it's hanging out. Creepy. If you're a guy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> There's that I double standard. The I get it. I get it. All right, cool. So All right. let's get on this quick while my voice is still here. Okay, should we jump into gaming? Yes. Because that's what it's we normally the, start it's with. It's on the list. It's, on, it's first. What have you been doing, Mr. Game Pass? Well, I haven't really been playing much in Game Pass. I've actually purchased a few games myself. What? Spent hmm. actual real dollars. Actual real money. One of them was like $2 something and the other one was about $4. Whoa. But I noticed- Money bags over here. In one of the sales, Rubbing yes, it in that bags. I don't have a job and don't have an income and you're spending willy-nilly $4. Well, one of them was a game that is actually free and that is Pinball Effects, oh. but they had a sale on one of the tables, which was the core tables or something. Mm-hmm. So I paid the $3 something for that and loaded it up and then I realised that it actually brought across a lot of your tables from Pinball Effects 2 that I had on the 360 and I didn't actually need to pay the $4 that I did for the tables because they were already part of the uh, package I had. But it is very much the same as Pinball FX 2 that was on the, the 360. The only difference is it's now on the Play Anywhere Microsoft, so I can also play it on my Windows 10 PC uh, with the same tables. Not that I really need to because if I'm going to play on the PC, I'm normally like streaming, screen sharing sort of off the Xbox anyway. I've been trying to do that with mine and it's not working terribly hmm. well. Mine has problems sometimes, especially if we're using a lot of internet. So it keeps coming up with warnings saying my quality stream. That's what I get every time and when I'm not doing anything else. Okay. I've got to figure it. You can have a look at mine for me. I will. I'm my expert. But yeah, (laughs) Pinball FX 3 has most of the same tables that are on the other Pinball FX games. There are other tables that I haven't purchased yet. My son was trying to convince me that I needed to buy the Jurassic World table, but that was about $7 and I thought, no, just for one table, probably a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. It's a resed up version of the other one. It's fun to play. I do find the difference in the controllers a little bit annoying though, because if I play for too long, my fingers get sore on the triggers, which never happened on the 360. So I don't know if that's purely the fact that I've got that Gears of War controller that's got the little grooves in like Mm -hmm. battle damage. I I don't know, but it's fun. It has some interesting modes. You can play challenges as well as playing like high score. So it helps you unlock upgrades where you can then get better score because you can sort of put an upgrade on your bumpers so your bumpers score more and stuff like that. The core tables are pretty cool because they're all based on real uh, either Williams tables or there's a couple of other mm-hmm. other realistic real-world tables. And it gives you a little bit of a, a history on the table saying, you know, it was released in 96 and we sold 27,000 versions of this table and stuff. But it's fun. I don't think it's something I'm going to get a lot of play out of. I, mean, I get the idea, but I don't find pinball that fun either. Yeah. 
I used to when I was a kid and it was something. But now it's sort of like it's like endless runner games. You've got to just play more to get a better score. Exactly. You can get better at it. I get that. But it's still the same thing. It's still the same board. You're not progressing narratively. You're yep. just still hitting a ball around the same table. And you can get slightly better, which means you play the game longer. For longer, yeah, and, exactly. And that doesn't appeal yeah, to me. So I think the longevity of it probably won't last me very long. I do like the fact that I've got the Star Wars tables because I previously bought those on the other version. But now some of them, instead of just being straight pinball, when you start some of the missions, it goes into like a video game mode where you kind of play Galaga with a, an X-Wing against TIE mm-hmm. Fighters and stuff like that, which is a nice little touch. But again, yeah, I don't really know how long I'm going to play on. And I guess that takes me to my next purchase, which is another one of those endless runner type games. And that is the console version of Pac-Man 256. So this came out a few years ago on mobile devices and it's made by the same people that made Crossy Roads. And I don't know if you've ever played Crossy Road, but Crossy Road's a little bit like Frogger where you're a chicken and you have to kind of progress as far as you can up a screen, crossing roads, crossing rivers, avoiding obstacles, cars, crocodiles that sort of stuff but the same company that made that have now got the license from bandai to do pac-man and they've done pac-man kind of like a crossy roads so it's endless scrolling but pac-man dots you get to eat ghosts have power pellets and again it's see how much score you can get see how far you can get up the road sort of thing but it is fun and you can play multiplayer which you can't do on actually you could do on crossy roads but now that it's on console it's great because my son and i have been playing a lot of pac-man lately Mm -hmm. because he's been watching the cartoon on netflix and he's like oh i love pac-man let's play pac-man sort of thing and i was like well this came up in the sales for i think it was two dollars 56 to coincide with being pac-man 256 so we we splurged and it's a lot of fun but again it's purely play and play and play until you get a better score. And I can't see that there's going to be much longevity in it. Fair enough. Yeah. Other than that, there is one other game that we have both been doing a little bit of. And that is the DLC that came out on Borderlands 2, which is kind of bridging the gap between Borderlands 2 and the upcoming Borderlands 3, which comes out in a month Soon. and a half. Yeah, not far. Yeah, closer than I really thought about until mm. I said it out loud. But the end of Borderlands 2 is a definitive ending as far as that story goes. But then this is a little bit more that kind of bridges the gap. And I really dug it. And the fact that it was free was great. Yep. It was probably eight or nine hours of gameplay, maybe. Oh, oh, I'm maybe bad, less so than probably that. Yeah. For me. But it's a lot of it was side missions, which I thought was a little bit annoying. But that that's what I liked about it, because it just gave me stuff to do. Here's here's a fetch. Go do this. Okay. I'm going to go here and do it, okay? And I follow the map. There's a dot on the map. I go to that. I shoot a lot of things. I'm at level 50. Everything else is level 38. I kick ass. I don't even stress when they start shooting me because I know I'm going to be fine. And I enjoyed the pants off it. I enjoyed it as well. I'm already level, well, I was level 55 when I started. And by the time I got to the end of it, I progressed to level 56. But mm. I was playing it on True Vault Hunter, so the second level rather yeah, than... I've never got that far. Yeah, I, I have tried it on Ultimate Vault Hunter, but that's just almost impossible for me because you have to kill them with the slag weapons before they will take damage. You can't just shoot them with normal weapons. So it's kind of like have a weapon with slag, hit them once, then swap to a different gun to do the damage. And it, for me, that kind of... Grenade and then do well, yes, but then you run out of grenades very quickly. Mm-hmm. Or if you play the soldier character like I was, you have slag on your turret. But I found that sort of took the fun away from it, whereas I thought just playing it on the, the middle level 
it was enough of a challenge that I was still feeling like I was getting somewhere. And for me, the loot was actually pretty good. My loot was terrible. Yeah, I, I think but I, I wanted it for the narrative. The I wanted narrative. to get through something. And, and that's the other thing. I, I thought the story was good. I did think there was a bit too much fetch quests in the side missions, but the actual progression of the story and the, the linking of this to the new game, I think they did really well. But because Borderlands for me is perfect listen to podcasts and game. game. Yeah. So for that, it was like, great. Go off and do this thing. All right, I'll go do that. And I'm listening, listening, listening. Go do that. Come back, get another one. All right, so I'm listening to podcasts and I'm running around shooting things very well. Yeah. And I got I played a little bit with my son, which wasn't a good idea. He's only five. And I'm really good at being a sniper and have all the, like, all my attributes are, like, more accurate and this and that. Yeah. So I'm, like, taking people's heads off through a sniper, you know, through the rifle sight and everything like that. And he's like, you're really good at this, Daddy. I am great at shooting people's heads off. Yes, that's right, son. Yeah, so maybe not playing it around him so much. He goes, and he's telling Mum all about it. You do this thing. He takes their heads off. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. Maybe not so much anymore. I found that a couple of the missions I did change the way I played because I, I play as the soldier and my, I guess, rationale of how I play is rush in, if I die, I die. And I think that annoys you a little bit when we play multiplayer because yes. you're always reviving me. Mm. But there was a couple of missions where I found that I couldn't just run in guns blazing and hope for the best. So one of the big boss type missions, I found that if I just hung back and I threw my turret, it would take me a little while, but my turret could actually kill the robot that I was trying to kill without me taking any damage whatsoever. I would just throw the turret, do some damage, wait for it to recharge, throw it again. And I managed to kill this giant robot without taking any damage That's why any I listen to podcasts. So, yeah. I'm not in a hurry. No. It does it. I've got, I sent out my robot to kill You've got a turret. I've got a floating robot that does mm. all the damage. It's like, yeah, you do that. It's all good. But yeah, it has made me quite excited for Borderlands 3. Me too. I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but I'm very but close to pulling that first. button. I, like I said, I think it was last episode. I took my son to an arcade. Yep. And I'm not going to worry about a hundred dollar game anymore, a seventy dollar game, because we got fifty dollars of credit, and it costs like thirty dollars to get fifty dollars credit in yep. penny arcades. It was gone in less than forty five minutes. Yeah. So it's like I don't mind paying seventy dollars for something I know I'm going to get hours and 10, hours and 15 hours, fifteen yeah. hours plus out of because well, yeah. I I think. You say 10, 15 hours. Oh, I that's think easy. Our original saves on Borderlands 1 in were up days. to like 100 and something hours, yeah. weren't they? But I had more time to game back then. Yeah, exactly. Because I used to go back and just do levels and levels, do loot runs. I can't really afford those sort of times anymore. No, and I, I found even just doing the Sanctuary run and going to the, the loot crate with the keys, like I would load up on shift keys and then go and unlock, I was finding that I wasn't getting really good stuff out of even those loot crates. So it is good to go back and it was nice to have a big session. I like had a couple of like sessions where my wife was either doing other stuff or she was going to bed early and I was like, well, I might just stay up and play a bit of Borderlands. And I had a couple of two hour plus sessions yeah. and it's just nice to be able to have a big chunk of gaming again. And you sort of get somewhere. Yeah. There's a lot of side missions, like you said, which I enjoyed, but there were multiple. So you could do one more or you could go to bed. Yeah. Or whatever. So it was it was good, sizable chunks of gaming where you could do it in the right time. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the No Quarters podcast talked about it as well. They yeah. they did the same thing, and he he sort of didn't like the game anymore afterwards. And he wasn't looking forward to three. Where I am, but what I found was you finished and went through to Vault Hunter mode or whatever. Yeah, I haven't finished all of the DLC. 
there's still a couple of the headhunter missions like that I, I haven't done. DLC. I did the main storyline. I don't yeah. know if I got it all. But there were some missions unfinished. And I was like, oh, why didn't I finish those? So I've gone back and I've tried. And there's a couple there. So once I finish the DLC, it's like, I'll go try and do these missions. I'm in, I'm in Borderlands mode. I'm really happy about this. And they were really hard. And I sucked. And I was like, oh, this is why Yeah, and I, I, think, I didn't like it last I th- time. I think a couple of the big boss missions are really designed to do with a party. Oh, yeah. I could, we, you tried to help me yeah. last week. You saw me playing and you joined in and we weren't even denting this thing. No. It's like we weren't getting anywhere, so I'll screw that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I'm just wasting ammo, really. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, basically, the stuff that I was left unfinished was left unfinished for a reason. I don't remember not doing them for a reason, but I just couldn't do it. So, that's too hard. That's too hard. Don't want to do it. All right. I'll just wait for the new game. Mm. So, being kick-ass level 50 in a game against, like in the DLC, you're against level 38. So, it's easy. But I, I don't look forward to being level one again. No. But I kind of do. Because the thing about being level one is you love going through bloody scrag vomit heaps and trying to get two dollars out of it because it makes a difference and you find a gun and it is it better than this one where the days that i played borderlands 2 i had a kick-ass arsenal and i wasn't getting any better guns like my my setup was perfect i didn't need any more so i wasn't getting anything better it is fun going leveling up when you are yes it's hard but it is rewarding you do get better but when you get to a point where you are kick-ass, you don't want to be go backwards again. So it's been long enough now that maybe it's time to start at one. We'll find out. We'll Definitely. talk to you in a few months' time. Yeah. Well, that that's my gaming. Have you been playing anything else? Uh, just a little bit more Spider-Man with my son. It's taking a while, but that one's kind of acceptable. Shooting people in the head with sniper rifles, not so much. And he's being five, he constantly, you know, I'm always on my phone being antisocial. He wants to use my phone or my iPad. So I try and have appropriate games or something on there just in case he's either been good and deserves it or I need to shut him up and settle him down. And I had a mini golf game on my phone and my iPad, which he always wants to play. And I don't mind him playing those because, you know, it's physics, it's something, it's not violent. And I noticed on these sales on the Xbox, there was infinite golf for like $7. Okay. It's like, mm, it's physics. He can play it and I, I can sort of leave him with it. Generally, if it's pretty straightforward, he can just keep playing. Yeah. So I got him that and it worked. He played it the other day and he played for a good chunk while I was doing some work around the house. And Yeah, so that's basically it. It's very cartoony in its designs, the... It's Christmas-themed courses or a giant bedroom course and things like that. It's a bit of fun. He seemed to have fun with it, and that's cool. And my three-year-old's intrigued enough but doesn't quite understand <laughs> how to game yet, but yes. and I mean, he's got to learn the finer arts of mini-golf, like on a computer. He's played mini-golf before. He's done it. But, yeah, he still thinks the straight line to the hole is the way to go, but it's like, there's stuff in the way, dude, like a wall. He'll get there. But, yeah, so he's got to learn it. Hmm. I'm teaching him through computer games. But yeah, that's about it for gaming for me. Okay. Nothing else. Yeah, that, that's it for me too. So, What about TV? We'll just jump Let's get through. TV. My voice is going. Let's go. All right. Well, there's a couple of things we've both watched. So maybe I'll jump into the stuff that I have myself have been watching first. Go for it. We'll start old. I mentioned last episode that I am working my way through MASH. Mm-hmm. I've now finished season six of MASH. Yes. Which is the season where Frank Burns leaves oh. and Charles Winchester comes in. Oh. And just the difference of the dynamic between Frank being the dumb foil that BJ and Hawkeye can just take the piss out of all the time to Charles coming in and actually having his own witty comebacks. Mm-hmm. I'm very much enjoying this. Oh, cool. So, yeah. The Bob, Martian Manhunter himself, David Hodgson Spears. Spears? Steers? I thought it was Spears. I think it's Steers. Steers. Anyway. anyway. But yeah, he is a very good addition to MASH. Do you know he was a Martian Manhunter? 
I did know that, yes. yes. And he was John Cusack's dad in Better Off Dead. Oh, that's correct. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, I, I'm enjoying that. New stuff that I've been watching before we jump into the stuff that we both have seen. I've been watching a show that's been on Foxtel based on a true crime, true story called The Act, which is starring, uh, I think, a girl called Joey King and Patricia Arrakett, who is the sister of former WCW world champion David Arrakett. I have to throw my little wrestling reference in there. But it is the story of a mother and her disabled child. Oh, Mum's been talking about this. Yeah, so I'm... Seven episodes in. The latest last episode dropped last night on Foxtel, but I haven't seen it yet. And as soon as I have watched that last episode, I am going wicky crazy and I'm going to work out exactly how close it is. Oh, okay. Well, I know the story, but I don't know exactly how close the TV is to the podcast about this one. It's a very interesting story. When Mm -hmm. you first start the season, it's kind of like, well, it's called The Act, and you're kind of thinking, well, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy in the first episode. And as it progresses, you're still kind of like, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and who's doing the acting and who's putting the other one over. Something. Now, is it a double meaning in the act? Is I, it someone's acting is. or the act of what happens, yeah. the act of murder? But, yeah, without going too much into it, there is a murder mm. and it doesn't go kind of how you think it would go. Mm. But I'll be interested to see what happens in this very final episode. And then, as I said, yeah, I'm going to go go nuts wikiing and just see how accurate they were to the real story. But it's really well acted. I find Patricia Arquette really good in nearly everything she does. Really? Yeah. I can't stand her. Well, see, I've liked her ever since she was in that Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Was it Nightmare on Elm Street 3 that she was in? Four? No idea. One of them. But yeah. In medium, she just looks so miserable. I, I like it. It's well done. It's well acted. It's intriguing. The first one I watched, I watched as it was happening pretty much on Foxtel. And then afterwards, my wife turned around and went, that's great. Let's watch some more. And I'm like, no, we're watching it week to week because it's it's on week to week. I probably could have gone and downloaded it illegally because I think it has been on in the States okay. earlier than what we're getting it here on Foxtel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I highly recommend it. Okay. Well, I've been watching some things. Well, let's talk about what we've both been watching. Okay. Them, all right. So reality shows can be good. They can. Most of the time they're shit. Yes. I find ones that are on commercial networks. Shit. Terrible. Yes. Now, what makes a lot of them terrible, now we we are filthy pirates and in the past we, we used nefarious means to watch things. Yes. And even in that, without the ads, they're fucked because they'll say after the break or whatever or coming up and they will show you bits of what's coming up. Now, when I'm talking these reality shows, I'm talking Deadliest Warrior and those sort of shows where it was who would win between a samurai and a chef? I oh, know it wasn't a chef, but you know. No, they a pirate, wasn't yes, it? Something like that. Yeah, so they always put these things. And they'd always give that little teaser because God forbid you change the channel during the break and not come back. So they give you have to give you a teaser of someone fucking up or oh, what's gonna happen? What's the big drama? Yep. I don't want to see that. No. I'm invested. I, I want to see the show. Don't give me spoilers. Oh, it's only a spoiler for something three minutes down the track. But it's still a spoiler. I don't need to know. I want it to all happen. Thank God for Netflix. Yeah. Because there's a show called Blown Away that you and I have been watching. Yeah. Right, you finished it, I haven't. I have, But that yes. doesn't matter. I'm not mm. really that fast. As, I'm more about the art. But it's glass blowing the competition. Yeah. Mm. Literally, it's these... I wouldn't even say they were amateur glass blowers because some of them were professional. One dude had his own studio by the look of it. Yeah, I think a lot of them were actually professional glass blowers. I mean, there were some that were in their 50s and some were 21 and 24, so they were young. So they were all very talented. How they criteria to get them or not, but, you know, it was an elimination each week. They had a challenge, had to 
blow some glass, make it, and each week someone got eliminated. Simple. Yeah. But fuck, it was entertaining. Do you know why? Because it was quick. And I was about to say, I think the reason why I enjoyed it was because they just got on there and they talked about blowing glass. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit as it goes on where they talk about their backstories. Well, the first episode was they had to do something personal. Yeah. So that was sort of a bit of that. No one was really in tears. No. It wasn't, it wasn't really that bad. And you don't have what you get in a lot of reality shows where they've taken the camera home with them and they're yeah. filming their home life. They're it's just basically there. just them going, oh, yeah, I've got a two-year-old son and I'm making this because this design makes me think of him. But what I did like is the fact that there was a real range of the people that were on there. Yeah. There were some that were like technically expertise glass blowers, but they didn't have that sort of creative flair, but they could do everything completely yes. perfect. Technically. Yeah. And there was other people that may not have been all that technical, but they had a lot more artisticness. Is that a word? No. Yeah. They had that flair for the, the artistically. artistic. Artistically. They were. They artistically. <laughs> I don't flair. want to know about your flair. testicles. There were people that had that artistic flair. And it didn't matter that they weren't, you know, technically perfect, but they had this vision and they could put it into well, practice. Well, his challenge had different criteria. Hmm. One, I mean, obviously glass-blowing technique and some were more technical. Yep. Others were more artistic, one was interpretive, all those sort of things. And they had different judges on. So there was a constant judge and then they had a futurist on and then a this and a that. So the, each challenge was presented differently. So your more technical people were screwed when it was more artistic, but then it was like this has got to be more, you know, a clinical sort of piece. Yep. And then the people who were a bit more artistic were a bit screwed. So, you know, you were all round. I mean, I don't know how it ended. I don't know who won, but I could suspect. But, you know, it was to, for me, I'm not invested in who wins. It doesn't really matter. But I'm enjoying – I just and something about watching glass bowling is fascinating. Yep. And I could just watch it. Give me a YouTube clip of 10 hours of people glass bowling. I'd probably sit down and watch it. Probably. It's just, it's fascinating to show how invested I was in this because they've got helpers, so they must be pretty good too because you can't do it on your own. You no. need a second person to sort of grab or blow and you're shaping while they're blowing or you're blowing and they're holding. It's a different things. This sounds very wrong in that context. <laughs> well, but, one um, of the things they play with is called a glory hole. It is. Well, that's where, the, that's where they put it in to heat it up is in the glory hole. Yeah. You're watching all this sort of stuff, and they just make it and they do it, and you're there and you're fascinated. You're going, "What's it going to be?" And the thing with glass is, when it's hot, it's red, and it's always like red hot. Yep. But they add colours and do all things, and you don't know what colour it's going to become until the end. Yeah, until exactly. it cools down, you have no idea. So the re- it works beautifully as a TV show because you sort of see the progression and where they're going and how they're doing it, all the different techniques, and, and who knew how much stuff went into fucking glass yeah, blowing. Exactly. It's so many different techniques technical. and ideas. It's 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 I'm fascinated by yeah. it. But mistakes happen. Yep. Like in cooking when they drop the drop the cake and things like that. But there's something very visceral about when you fuck up glass blowing, broken glass happens, yeah. it's visceral. It's yeah. like, oh shit, I jumped twice watching this and I haven't even finished the series. I'm like, oh, I gasped and I jumped because yeah. I, oh no and it's not even like I was invested in that person to win. I'm invested in all of them yep. working on this. And I understand broken, how yeah. much effort they're going into this and there's pressure on and they're all sweaty and they're because they're working it's hot. around exactly. Hot, yeah. Know? And it's just fascinating. And then, like I said, I gasped and jumped when they broke something and then it's like, oh well, back to it. And they just go make another one. And that's the beauty of glass blowing is it's not a long carving of something and then at the end, oh it's fucked. It's you're oh. doing it now anyway. There is some of the things that did take them quite a while, and when when things went wrong, you were like, "Whoa!" They're not going to make any yeah, time. They're not going to make any time. I understand that, yeah. and, and they're, they're 
their results showed that that they had to rush it. But yeah, it's just the the fascination of that. Like I, I I've been to Venice and I watched a Venetian glass blower make a horse in like four and a half minutes. Mm. But that's what he does every hour. Yeah, you know. So it's not. I I understand it's something you can do, but that this the art of glass art or making is is fascinating and amazing to watch but yeah to watch these people just fuck up and just, i'll just i'll go again yeah you know it, it, it's amazing and the fact that it doesn't matter it's just glass you know you look at it as oh my god it's oh, just start just again melt it down to another one exactly it's, it's yeah so i mean it's almost made me want to go learn glass playing but i can't be fucked to be honest i can't do the <laughs> spit thing but it's weird though because the week before i was thinking about it so I think I want to do some um, blacksmithing. Yeah. I don't know why. Forge your fire. Maybe. Yeah. There probably was, actually. <laughs> but I just want to wear a leather apron and hit a hot fucking metal thing on an anvil. I don't want to make anything particular. I saw a show about where they made old-style American huts like they did in the Pioneer days. And he was making showing how they used to make nails. I was like, yeah. I could just make nails. <laughs> I just want to be like sweaty and sooty, wearing a leather apron, hitting hitting hot metal. I don't know why. It just wasn't that a puppet show in England, sweaty and sooty. Yeah, mm. I, that's that's what I want to do. So if anyone knows one out there, I did go looking. It's not cheap, isn't it? Just to learn. I just want to do it. Mm. Like, does Sovereign Hill need people making nails? I just want to make nails. They've got a blacksmith at Sovereign Hill. Oh, fuck and them. he looks like how you would expect a blacksmith to look. Is he he is a handlebar moustache. Well, no, he's got a big full beard, oh, okay. a bald head, leather apron, large man with lots of tattoos. Oh, no tats. Uh, anyway. Right. If anyone knows anyone that needs a bit of help with the smithing, I want to do some smithing. Mm. I'm blown away. What I, what I did find weird was the fact that they had the people that were the helpers, but each contestant didn't get to keep the same helper all the way through. They rotated the helpers. That's probably good. And the helpers weren't their own helpers. So I, I would think that probably it would be more of an advantage if the glass blower came in with, say, two people from his shop or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but then it's even if you're splitting them up, mm. you might have come in with a fucking expert glass blower. You don't know what yeah. you got as you get. Mm. So they, they all came from the same school. I'm sure they would have been judged as even. And the fact that they rotate them around meant it was fair. Yeah. One of the he dropped the fucking thing. I oh, know. Yeah. But, um, How would you feel? Couldn't open the door properly or something. Yeah. I don't know the, what they did. Yeah, the cooling box, whatever they but call the it. The guy who did it was totally calm. I know. He's just wasted four hours of work and dropped his glass on the floor, and he was like, "Hey, yeah, whatever." Start again. Yeah. Somehow glass blowing is very therapeutic. It must be. But anyway, there's 10 episodes on Netflix. And it's quick. It's over and done within 20 minutes. Yeah. Because it is made for commercial TV. So there are spots for commercials. And there would be that after the break and there'd be smash. (gasps) And everyone reacting to it. Like me. But if you don't know what's coming, you just enjoy it for what it is. Hmm. So check out Blown Away. Yeah. And it's good for for us because we were watching it while we were having dinner before we had our dining room table back because renovations were still going at that stage when we started watching it. They have finished now, thank God. God. Back to having a real house with no TV and eating at a table rather than sitting on the couch with plates on our laps. But while we were watching it, it was a good dinner meal because, you know, 20 minutes, eat your dinner, watch an episode of Blown Away. Yep. Going good. How many pairs of glasses did that girl own? Lots. Lots. And they uh, worked differently, different coloured glasses with different outfits and stuff. Mm. See, I've just got one pair of glasses and, and my secondary glasses for when I go out drinking in case I fall over. <laughs> but anyway, yes, that was blown away. There is something else we've both watched, and I think nearly everyone in the world has probably watched it by now. Yeah. So we might go slightly spoilery, and that is the third season of Stranger Things. Yes. We yeah. haven't talked about this, have we? No. I don't think we've talked off-air about it either because 
both of us have finished watching it at different stages. Mm, I, I loved it. Me too. I was going to play up. Yeah. I, didn't. I was disappointed with season two because I felt that it didn't go anywhere with the progression of the story. I was not disappointed with it. It wasn't as good as the first season. Yeah. I haven't gone back rewatched either, so I don't know. Maybe it is better. But the thing with Stranger Things season one was like, check out this show. What is it? And it's like, oh, this is so cool. The kids are cool. The visually, it's great. Those characters are great. Oh, all the homages are amazing. The soundtrack, this is fucking awesome. That was a shock. Like yep. even the music was sounds like, oh, it's John Carpenter. It's, it's Stephen King's buddy font. You know, yeah. all these factors that were there. And then season two was sort of the same. Like, oh, it's Halloween again. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're dressed as Ghostbusters. Soundtrack's still cool, but we get that. Sean Astin's fantastic. I love that. It's got Paul Reiser now. And there was that one episode where Eleven went off and did her own thing that I thought was excellent, but everyone else hates. There's two other people. You and another friend of mine, she, <laughs> she loved it and thought it was great, where I just didn't care for it. But yep. yeah, it, it just took you out of the story. It meant nothing to the rest of the story. That's yeah, that's where it was sort of probably. like, what was that all about? Mm. So was it bad? No. Was it still good? Yes. But it wasn't the shock of the first one because we knew what we were sort of in for and it was more of the same. Yep. Yeah, they took a – now, I don't know if they had that idea, but the first one was such a hit and it's like next next Halloween we're releasing it again, another one, you've got to go write something. So whether it was rushed maybe or not, but this one, they had a bit more time. Maybe they sort of progressed – Writing that story going, oh, if we get a third one, we need to sort of go somewhere. So they had a bit more time to think about it. Had some time. Introduced new characters that were great. Yeah, I think the additional characters that they brought into this season were a really good addition. Mm. And it just, it was just cool. And the story was better. Like it actually told a better story. And everyone had their own story that came together beautifully. Yep. And like it was just so well written in the fact that it was purely contrived to make you feel good. Like, it really was contrived in that way. It was. But, God, it was great. It's like, it's so much fun. Now, I, I saw it, I was a little bit behind my friends, and I ended up going out for karaoke one night with my two friends who have seen it. And when I say karaoke, it's like, it's a very musical show. Yes. So there were a lot of songs that they were really getting into. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I understand. It's, it's a good song. Afterwards, I'm like, I get those seven references now that you did that I didn't know mm-hmm. you two were talking about. But, yeah, um... It's just such – you just sort of get swept up in it. Yeah, it was really compelling. I found that I watched four episodes in one hit and then I watched – I would have liked to I watched three the next night and then I watched the very last one sort of – so it was over Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nice. I watched it. And the Sunday night we watched the hour and a half final episode. Yeah. And it felt like it could have been a movie. Oh, I've heard have, someone say it's a – Eight-hour epic or Yeah, you, you could just sit there and watch all of it if you had the time. And pacing would have been fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, in the year of Avengers Endgame, it was up there with, this is pretty damn good. Like, is something to re-watch. Like, I have no intention of watching one or two again, season no. one. I just don't have the time. But I could I could have sat down and started season three again when I was finished. And I know a friend who's almost on a third watch. She's right. like, I hadn't thought about starting it a third time. She started the second watch before I'd finished the first. What I really loved, though, is the fact that it wasn't the action or anything like that that you would go back and watch again, even oh, though you probably you'd... would. I found it was the character development, the just the, the way they bounced off each other and We'll go slightly into spoiler territory here. But I thought the relationships that they built between Steve and Dustin was really good. Yep. 
and I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but Steve and the girl that she was he was working with in the ice cream shop. Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yes. I thought just that one scene where they'd been drugged and then afterwards they were talking in the toilet. Like that I is the, was, probably the pinnacle scene of the Yeah, I thought that was probably my favourite scene in the whole of the seasons. And I really loved the other scene where Max was kind of explaining to, to Eleven how to be a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, well, you know, you, you don't just do everything your boyfriend tells you, tells you to. You've got to you know, lead him on. And when you break up with him, you've got to make him want to come back to you and, and that sort of stuff. And I, I thought the fact that they humanised Eleven a bit more was mm-hmm. really well done. And I also liked the fact that Will kind of got lost in the shuffle because Dustin had gone off to camp and he'd found a girlfriend. The other and, two got girlfriends. Yeah, the other two got girlfriends. And then Will was kind of sort of, you know, still wanting to play D&D and he was still wanting to be a kid. Yeah. And the others were kind of like, well, we, we're not kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really loved that. I could relate to that, really. <laughs> I really loved how they did that because it showed teenagers as teenagers. And yeah, because they missed out. He missed out on something. Yeah, exactly. Because the others had the adventure that he didn't. But he had a completely different adventure. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it an adventure. Well, yeah. Traumatic experience, maybe. Mm. And I don't know, because I was talking to a friend yesterday about it. It's like, is he a bad actor or he just got nothing to do or what? Because he's, I mean, like we said, he he did miss out on something because yeah. he wasn't there for that first season because he yep. was the one lost in the upside down and he's the one stuck where they've moved on. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite an ordinary actor compared to the others. Maybe. And whether that's the character they've given him or he maybe he's a bit ordinary. But yeah, so when I finally finished, so I messaged my friends over this three-way conversation, so I'm finally done and they go, favourite pick, go. And I'm like, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, when Steve drives and takes a car out the... Oh, yes. How good is that scene? Yeah. But he's driving. And it's like, oh, that's cool, because he saved him. He come back and he did the bit. And it's like, oh, no, when they're all stuck behind in the food stand and the guys with the guns are there and all of a sudden the car takes them out and it's like Eleven's up there with all her crew standing beside him on the balcony. He's like, no, that was a cool bit. And it's like, oh, of course, it was a fucking never-ending story. That was the best bit. And then the more I think about it, it was the scene with Steve and Robin in the toilet. Yeah. Having the conversation was actually the best bit. But there's so many good bits. And the fireworks, when they turn up with the fireworks as well, so many deus ex machina bits yeah. where it's just like, fuck yes, fuck yes, fuck yes, because you're so invested in the show that it was like, this is fucking cool and no one's wasted and every every bit hits. Even the Russian dude getting shot in the fair is like, oh, oh, he was just enjoying himself. It was just like, it was so sad. And but even just the tributes to things like the good Magnum dude. and the shirt. Yeah, and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. You know, just so many elements there. It was just so good. Yeah, it was really well done. And when it finished, it left me wanting more. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they had that little stinger cliffhanger at the end. You did stick around at the end, yes. I did, yes. So it's kind of like, well, you can read into it so many different things, mm-hmm. but I'm reading that Hopper isn't dead. Pretty much. He's pretty much confirmed it. Yeah. yeah. So I it, want it to be Barb. It, it's not going to be It would Barb. be good if it was Barb. But it's then not going to be Barb. She's gone on to other things. Has she? Yeah. She was in a couple of other movies that I've seen on Netflix. Okay. Mm. So what about Barb? But yeah, I, I really, really dug it. Right, cool. Mm. Give me more. Give me more. And if I had time, I would go and rewatch I it. I would. Like yeah. it's something I'd be tempted to rewatch. All right, so I'm going to finish up TV now. Amazon Prime is getting better. It's got its content. It, it, it looks like they've changed the interface a little bit. It seems to be a little more slicker and, dare I say, professional. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a show on there that... That I've been watching. You know, well, I started last night. There's, there's two shows I want to talk about. So we'll talk about the smaller one first. And that's called The Boys, which is based on a Garth Ennis comic set in... This is probably what Watchmen the movie should have been in a way. 
Mm. Now, I've talked about Watchmen in the past, that The Watchmen is an iconic comic that made an interesting movie, but it wasn't the groundbreaking movie that the groundbreaking comic was. Because yes. the thing about Watchmen is it dissects comic books, the tropes of comic books. It, it, it's talking in a language of comic books about comic books by telling a comic book story. And it kind of humanized the superheroes. Oh, oh, that's been done before, but this is like, this is a Batman archetype, this is these sort of characters, and this is a realistic take on, but it's also dissecting the tropes that is comic books by telling them in that medium. Hmm. By going and making a literal translation into a movie, you're not using any of that subtlety that is his, what it's sort of doing. Like one of them, the Rorschach character has a Rorschach test, which is, you know, ink blots where you fold it in half. And in the comic, it was told... The panels mirrored each other like a Rorschach. Yep. Like in panel layout, not the pictures, but panel layout. Things like that you can only do in a comic. The thing with the movie, it should have been that breakdown of superhero cinema, not superhero comics, because it doesn't work in a different medium. <sighs> and it could have worked, but it was too early. Now that we've had 22-odd Marvel films doing superhero movies and a few others, you've almost got the tropes to play with, but you didn't sort of have it when that came out. But The Boys is that as well, where it's a comic about these people who keep superheroes in check. Superheroes are assholes. They're corporate and they're assholes, and they basically are entitled art, you know, pricks. Yep. And these are the people that keep them in check. Now, they've, Amazon's just in a TV show, and I only just watched the first episode last night, and I don't want to be recording right now because I want to go watch a second because it was that good. It's violent. It's nasty. They dropped the C-bomb literally. Um... <laughs> Literally, did I just say? You did say that. No. They dropped the C-bomb liberally. Liberally, okay. Liberally. It's violent as hell because it's Garth Ennis. That's what you do. And I'm just intrigued to see where they go. Like in the comic, it's extreme. It's Garth Ennis. This is a guy who wrote Preacher. And he's probably the most extreme comic is called Crossed, which is if you can make zombie apocalypse even more scary by making the, making the zombies more sexually depraved. Mm. Yeah, it's nasty shit. I don't recommend that. I think there is a blowing the someone out of blowing the back out of someone's head because a super person got a head job and came in someone's face. Uh, that happened in there. There's another bit where I think he was ejaculating and took a plane down. As you do, as you do. Um, so this is the, that. This is a level of the comic, and apparently there are scenes like this in the series, which I haven't got to yet. So it's. It's, it's full on, if that's your thing, but it is dissecting the superheroes to a point where it's like questioning them, the who watches the Watchmen sort of thing. But we have enough superhero stuff to play with now to sort of go, this is the story we're telling. Hmm. So that, that's, that's pretty good. Amazon Prime, well done. But it's not the best thing they've done. No. They've bought out. Now, I've, I've noticed a lot of Australian content on there lately, like Norman Gunston show and the number 96 movie and things like that. And I looked on there, I was like, hang on, does that say all together now? It did. <laughs> it said all together now. Now, do you remember all together I now? do remember all together now. All together now was a sitcom from 1991 that went to 1993. Did it go that long? Starring, well, 101 episodes. Wow. Starring John English, Rebecca Gibney, Bruno Lucia, Gary Hu, Stephen Jacobs and Jane Hall. And it was about an aging rocker from the 70s. Played by an aging rocker from the 70s. Yeah, John, John English. And he lives with his ex-roadie, who's now a cab driver, Gary Who, Dougie. And he's got a Wayne Lovett, his manager, played by Bruno Lucia. And he finds out he had a, he had two, twin kids 15 years ago, played by Stephen Jacobs and Jane Hall. And his, the mother of the children died and he got left for the kids. So Rebecca Gibney was an ex-groupie of the time who was friends with Beth, the mother. And she sort of turns up saying, do you remember me? Do you remember Beth? You've got kids. I'm going to take over custody if you just want to sign the forms. And he's like, I've got kids. I want to meet them. 
And in the first episode, it's a sitcom. It's not that heavy. Basically, they come over and they work it out. It's like I want to, I want to spend time with my kids. I just found out I got kids. I mean, he's a lot more that spaced out sort of hippie ex rocker sort of guy. He's not that. He's yeah, I don't know another character to describe him as, but he's yeah, he's caring. He's a bit dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the hijinks of the full house scenario of all these people under the one roof. It's not the greatest show, I'll admit that, but I, I have something for it. Maybe it's because in 1991, I had a massive crush on Jane Hall. And in 2019, I got a massive crush on Rebecca Gibney. <laughs> Even now, I got a massive crush on her, but back then, whoa, power suits, shoulder pads, and big fringe. Bring it on! Nice. But um, how many episodes is too many in a week? Probably anything more than three, I would say. So 24 is too many? <laughs> I think you did to speak to someone. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it the same joke repeated every episode? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good joke. Hey, cheeky babe. Yeah. Beautiful people. Ciao. It was a different time. Uh, it's interesting, some of the episodes. One, a lot of cameos. Tina Arena turned up as a stripper. Vanessa the Undresser. Okay. Um, Toddy Goldsmith turned up. Um, Linda Stoner. John Waters turned up as an ex-band member who became corporate. And he kept getting a phone call. He was staying with, with John English. He kept getting a phone call from his son. He goes, yeah, I'll ring you back later. I'll ring you back later. And he never did. And he got a f- visit from the coppers. Mm-hmm. His son committed suicide. He's a drug addict. Oh, yeah. Pretty heavy stuff for Heavy stuff. stuff. And they finished on a gag. Yeah. It's like, hang on. <laughs> Whoa. Bad timing on that one. But yeah. And there was another one that was safe sex stuff, drug stuff. Teenage drinking, they handled the whole hot, okay. heavy topics, but I just, without the ads and everything, it's 22 minutes. It's just like one more. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and does Amazon Prime just continue like Netflix does? Yes. Mm. Mm. It does check in there with you. You still watching? It's like, fuck yes, I am. Play me some more <laughs> all together now. So, yeah. Thank you, Amazon Prime. Nice. Because I'm tempted to get Stan because Veronica Mars is on it, but fuck you. All together now is on. So when I finish that, then I might go to stand. Maybe. All right, that's TV. Right. So we jump into movies. Yes. Well, speaking of Amazon Prime being a pretty shitty interface, I think we've got something that can probably top Amazon Prime for the shittiness of the interface. Yeah. And that is a new app called Tubi. Tubi. T-U-B-I. T-U-B-I. And when it first came out, it was on the Xbox, and it's also an app for iOS. Yep. And PC, mm-hmm. and I thought it wasn't legit. Uh, it just looked so shit. I thought it was another one of these like cheap Xbox apps that pops up that plays p- pirated versions of movies for a little while, then suddenly drops off and you can't access it anymore. Mm-hmm. But no, it is actually an official app. But the library that it has is really scraping the bottom of the barrel with a lot of movies. It has a lot of seventies content. Yeah, it has a lot of cheesy nineties content before HD was invented. Because so far we watched uh, a bit of a movie called Crash, I think it was, from 1976, Mm -hmm. about a car that kind of goes rogue and starts killing people. Apparently. We didn't get through the end of that. We watched about an hour and realized that nothing nothing had really happened, so we gave up on that. We watched a couple of episodes of, well, they weren't really episodes, they were 30-minute movies of, was it Thong Girl? Who was a superhero wearing a very skimpy white bikini. Yeah. That the acting quality in that was reminiscent of the Gathering of the Juggalos infomercials that we mentioned on our last mini. Mm -hmm. But something that we did watch that I thought was quite excited, well, I was quite excited about hearing that it was on because I knew about it, was a little documentary called Dog Legs. Yes. Which was the story of a Japanese wrestling federation that is run by handicapped people for the amusement of 
other people. No, but no bad amusement. It's I, just like, yeah. Well, as we've talked about wrestling in the past, the Japanese fan culture for wrestling is very different. It's quite respectful, even though they do have their kaiju wrestling and stuff. So yeah, they, and they're comedy feds. Yeah, and this is almost there. I don't. It's not exploitative because it's run run by and yeah, it's run by a group of disabled people yeah. who are various conditions. The main character, I think, has some form of autism, and his name was Shintaro. And his whole gear or his whole gimmick was that he wanted to give up wrestling and have a real job. But he'd been wrestling for almost twenty years, yep. constantly fighting against his his arch rival, who was, I think, had some sort of mental disability. But his gimmick was that he had spent years beating up on the handicap, and he was kind of like the villain because he was beating up on yep. the handicapped, and. I think his name was Antithesis something or other. Something like that. But yeah, it's it's in Japanese with subtitles. It was directed by an American director and I heard about it a few years ago because the director was on Colt Cabana's podcast and he was talking about how he did it. But it was just intriguing in the fact that there is this wrestling subculture of disabled people wrestling and they are mainly wrestling other disabled people there was a couple of able-bodied people in it there was well there's one guy who was in a wheelchair with very limited mobility yeah he had and he wrestled his wife cerebral palsy and he wrestles his wife but he is also a cross-dressing yes. alcoholic who basically gets himself completely drunk on Saki. Was his carer a wrestler as well? But well, he yes. has serious anxiety and but, depression? Well, I was going to get to that as well. His carer has crippling depression, mm-hmm. but he is seen as the outcast from the other people because they don't see his depression being a real disability because it's not noticeable mm-hmm. from the outside sort of thing. So he was, to use the pun, wrestling with his own issues that he has this massive anxiety, really bad depression. And everyone thinks, well, he's just normal because they can't see his ailment. And he was all like, well, yes, I'm just as disabled as the next man sort of thing. And it was a real eye-opener just for the fact that this sort of stuff exists. And some of the matches they had, we were sitting there trying to work out, do you use wrestling terms, whether it was a shoot, whether it was real fighting or whether it was – like predetermined wrestling mm. because some of the the matches they were literally punching each other full on in the face yes. and it was like leave him alone he doesn't know anything yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it was a fascinating doco like yeah. whether you're a wrestling fan or not it's just interesting to look and to look at another country's take on disability i suppose to yeah a point and this guy with the cerebral palsy he's got a son and a wife and they live in this it's japan so it's a tiny little apartment Yep. And he's writing himself off. It's like, he, can, he can't get the drinks. No, but his carer was going to the shops for him. And, and getting yeah. him the drinks. And letting him just basically, he's drinking himself to death. That's yeah. what he's doing. And they're just letting him do that. And it's sort of a, not a respect thing, but it's sort of like, well, this is his life. And this is what makes him happy. This is do what it he wants something. to yeah. do with it. And, you know, and in a way, it's like, he's going to die. Yep. And he's, he's going to go out his way. Yeah. And they're sort of enabling that in a mm. way. It's sort of bizarre. But uh, it, it, it was fascinating. The other thing I thought was weird about that is Saki comes in like milk cartons. I, I thought it always came in bottles. But, yeah, he opened up this milk carton. And I was like, oh, is that milk? And then he poured it into the little cup and I was like, oh, it's Saki in a milk carton. Mm. But the other little side story other than the fact that Shintaro wanted to retire and get another job is there'd been this this student girl that had been making another documentary about him or, or sort of following him around as part of her thesis for university and he had a bit of a crush on her and was kind of 
hinting that maybe they should go out together. And they went on a date, but he took her to a sex museum, which I thought was just so Japanese. It was like one of those things that it's you can't get much more Japanese than taking this polite little schoolgirl to a sex museum. She's not a little schoolgirl. No. No, we're not making it weird. She wasn't. She was a, a teenager. She's an adult. An, but yeah, she was a lot younger than she, he was. Yes, but she's an adult. She's yeah, not a schoolgirl. It was, it was bizarre. Yes. Very bizarre. But if you have the Tubi app, I would really recommend looking at dog, dog links. Mm. I would recommend even getting the Tubi app. Like a lot of the research that I did after I installed it, I was reading going, well, how legit is this? And they kept saying it was an ad funded, like advertised funded streaming app. But I, I haven't no, seen any seen ads. ads. Yeah, no. I haven't seen a single ad. So we watched an hour and a half of Dog Legs and there was no ad breaks or anything like that. There wasn't even ads at the start of it. So, no. yeah, there isn't a lot of content on the app. Oh, there's a lot of content. Oh, it's just yes. not good. I'll, I'll rephrase that. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of quality content. There is a lot of music documentaries. Yeah, I noticed that. Mm, like so, the album. Like this is about this one album of a band and stuff. Yeah, so I think I will do a deep dive and have a, a good look. We did notice there was quite a lot of Christmas shows up there too, a so lot who of knows Christmas, what's going to happen there. But it looks like, ter- like even for Christmas oh, specials, it looks terrible and some of them look long. And mm. It's like, oh, I can sit through short shit, not long shit. <laughs> yes. Well, other than that, I haven't had a lot of movies. I have had one trip to the cinema, so we'll probably discuss that in a moment. But one of the other movies that I have watched at home, I will say is probably the worst movie I've seen in a very long time. And that is a Nicolas Cage movie called The Humanity Bureau. So my wife and I were flicking through the movies that are on Foxtel, just looking for something mindless to watch. And we saw that it was a Nicolas Cage movie. And we thought, well, he's a bad actor. This will be quality bad movie. There is no quality in it. It is just a bad movie. Not even Crazy Cage? Yes, there is Crazy Cage, but it's not even good Crazy Cage. It's just him looking like Elvis, being this dude in the not-too-distant future that does government checks on people to make sure they are doing what they should be doing and realises that the person that he's doing a checkup on is not who she's meant to be because the person he's checking on is his high school girlfriend and he meets this woman and it's not her. Mm. And they do a bit of a cross-country jaunt through Canada to well, to get into Canada to get out of the US. And it is long, it is boring, and it is very badly acted. So mm. I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend that. Okay. Another movie that I was a little bit unsure whether I was going to like or not, and that is The Lego Movie 2, the second part. I watched this with my eight-year-old and he was very keen to watch it. I kind of was keen to see it when it came out to the cinema, but there was no fanfare, so I forgot that it was on, so we didn't go to the pictures. So we watched it at home and probably for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was sitting there going, "Eh, I can understand why there was no fanfare. And then the music kicks in. And then once the songs actually happen in this movie, I was completely sold. I love the songs in this movie and they are songs that would just, absolutely stay with you forever once you've seen it and one of them is the whole premise of the song is that they sing it because this song is going to get stuck inside your head and it does the very next morning i got up and i said to my son did you like that movie and the first thing he said was i can't stop singing the song and i was like well obviously they've they've made the right choice then storyline wise it's probably not as strong as the first one but there is bits in it. Lego Batman is great again with some of the one-liners that he comes out with. As I said, the the additions of the new characters, uh, Tiffany Haddish, who is it girl for a lot of movies. I don't think I've seen anything that she's been in, but I recognised her name. She voices the new queen of the new people that they meet, and she does a pretty cool song as well. But it's just a good 
kids' film that adults will get something out of as well. Okay. Mm. But yeah, the music, phenomenal. Speaking of kids' films, yes. we had a movie night with the kids and we watched Dumbo, the live action film. Now, I couldn't tell you about the animated Dumbo. I may have seen it. I can't remember. Like, we, we did get the wonderful world of Disney as a kid here. Yep. And they seem to play over like two week periods. They'll play a whole movie or sometimes they'll play snippets from the movies and things like mm. that. So I've seen bits and pieces, whether it's in conjunction with the rest of the film or just bits, I don't know. So I couldn't tell you how race it was. I can't remember. But I watched the new Tim Burton live action Dumbo and it's all right. It's very Tim Burton. Okay. It's fine. I, I Like, I remember seeing the first trailer and I cried. It was really well put together and emotional. Second trailer, I was like, I'm not interested in that movie at all. Hmm. It's it's fine. Okay. It's 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 cool. It's got some really nice visuals. Whether it's worth it, I don't know, but it's, it's okay. My three-year-old daughter loves Dumbo now, but I don't know what it is. She sort of fixates on certain things and the whole movie is like, where's her mum? Where's, <laughs> where's his mum? And did you say it's a Disney movie? She doesn't have a mum? Yeah, it does in this one. Mm. She was just really worried about her mum. Okay. I've got to get back to her mum. It's like, just wait, George, just chill. So that that was fine. Then I was flicking through channels the other day and A Wrinkle in Time was on. And I flicked over and there's a bit where the kids are riding on these floating leaves with faces or something. Yep. You've seen it? We talked about it on one other episode where I was quite invested in the movie Mm. until there is a change that happens. And probably about two-thirds of the way from the movie I went from yeah, I'm digging this movie to fuck this movie. I don't want to watch any more of it. Okay. So my kids were into it. They're going, this looks interesting. And Sally's like, I'm interested in watching it. So uh, so they went and watched the start of it. I went off to watch the football. Now, the kids normally go to bed at seven. We, it's a Saturday night. It's like, we'll let them stay up. It's a treat. They can watch this movie. I sort of come out. Sally's like, there's a half hour to go. It's well past their bedtime. Do we stop it and let them go in tomorrow? So I come out and have a look. Jackson is running on the spot. His legs are not moving. He's standing on the, he's on the couch. I was like, are you okay? And he just bursts into tears. Because there's a bit where the brother turns on the sister and he's being really nasty to her and she's freaking out. Yeah. He's freaking out. It's like, there is no way you're not seeing the end of this movie tonight. Well, see, that was about the, the point where I turned off. <laughs> it's like, he's got to see the end of this film. You can't see it to bed now. This is terrible. And George is just worried about, where's the mum? Where's the, There's no, been no mum the whole film. It's a Disney film, like I said. There's no mum. Mm. Just, just, well, there is a mum, but it's not important to the story because I think. Stepmum. Actually, no, the mum's there. The dad's disappeared. Okay. That's the premise of the movie, that the dad's not there. Yeah, but the mum's still back in Earth and yeah. she's not part of the story. Yeah. Until they get back. Yeah, so it's like, where's the mum? It's like, don't worry about the mum. It's all good. So, yeah, she's everything. The mum, the mum. But, um, yeah, it's like Jackson's got to see the end of the film because he was freaking out. And so he needs to see the end. He needs closure because he's not going to sleep tonight if he doesn't. you really got to pick and choose. You. So how much of it did you watch? I watched nothing. Oh, okay. I saw the float, floating weird leaf things or something like that. Yeah. And then came out and saw this you know, scene where he was freaking out and that's about it. Because hmm. bits, bits of it, like visually, are really well done. Giant Oprah. Yeah, some of the characters are really good, but yeah, the just the change of the storyline just got me. Okay, yeah, I, mm. I know nothing about it. I got a friend; she absolutely adores the book. It's one of her favorite books as a kid, so she hasn't seen the movie mm. because she loves the book so much. Okay. So, okay, fair enough. That was that was it. Those I have been to the cinemas twice. Well, three times. But we'll get to the third one later. Yep. First one is a reward for my son. He gets little like marbles as a reward, and if he gets to a certain number, he gets to choose a treat. And he wanted to go to the movies and see Secret Life of Pets 2. So we went and did that. We went to V Junior, which is a village junior cinema they set up. So it's got like a dance floor at the front. It's got a slide down the side, which you can use before the film and the intermission. So the volume's down a little bit lower. 
and you've got the slidey stuff, and it's got an intermission, so you can go to the toilet. Okay. Middle, which is handy for an old bloke like me. Hmm. My bladder's getting old. Or a young kid. <coughs> well, them too. Yeah. them too. Them yeah. too. And, yeah, I've not seen Secret Life of Pets. So this one's good. I'm sure it is. And this one just felt weird. It didn't feel like a movie. Like, some of the TV shows we get now are so good that a movie should be better than that. And it's just like, oh, yeah. It's like a bunch of vignettes almost of, okay. oh, that's funny. That's what dogs mm. do. That's what cats do. Okay. It's kind of cool. It just didn't really go anywhere. It just was a thing. I mean, I, it was fine. It was perfectly fine. It just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. My youngest was keen to see it because he loves the first one. And I've seen the first one a few times because he's watched it so much. And what I do like about it is it's one of those movies that has adult stuff that Adults will get. But one of the reviews I read of the second one said that this was purely just a kid's film. There was nothing for older age groups. And then another review I I read for it said that if you don't have pets, you won't like this movie. But it goes without saying that you won't really get a movie about having pets if you don't have pets. So Mm. I don't know. But there's a sweet moment in it. It was fine. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. There's some nice moments in there. There's a really good bit in the first movie where... The rabbit, who's kind of like the bad guy. I don't know if he comes back in the second one or not, but he gets really excited and poops for no reason. <laughs> it is my favourite bit of the movie. So yeah, it the just shows how Kevin Hart, yeah? Yeah. He's the main one. I think it's Kevin he's Hart. He's the main one in yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a great moment because it's about having kids because he's a dog. Because the first one's about the dog and they get another dog yeah. and he's got to learn to share. And this is like, well, he's got two dogs and then all of a sudden she's got a boyfriend and they've got a baby now. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, not babies, but he becomes best friends with this baby. And super protective of this baby, and there's just a that's a nice little montage, like like the start of Up. It's got this start bit where it's just, it's a nice little short film of him okay. loving this baby. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's got a good cast, I suppose. Harrison Ford's playing Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's just it just is. Yeah, but yeah, so that's cool. Okay, and I also saw Spider Man Far From Home. Oh yeah, which is very good. From what I've heard, it is very good. It's it's more you know Marvel just seems to do it. They they make. It's so good. You should be raving about all these films. But it's like, oh, yeah, that's what you expect. So this is the next one after Endgame? Yes. This is what they're calling the end of Phase 3. Okay. That's what I was just about to ask, whether it was the new beginning or whether this this is is kind of wrapping up Endgame. Hmm. Yeah. uh, There's plenty of people talked about these films. It's it's really good. Okay. Recommended. Hmm. Well, Mm. speaking of really good. Yes. Unless there's anything else, should we jump into the movie that we went and saw together? Yes. Been a very long time since we've actually been to the cinema together. Probably this is the last one of these. Uh, possibly, or straight out of Compton. I think might have been the last time we actually went to the movies together. This or Fast Eight? Yeah, could have been. But anyway, so we actually went and saw the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw on opening night. Yep. And we pre-booked tickets because we thought opening night it's probably going to be busy, and there was about ten people in the cinema. Oh, there's more than that. Was there? A couple of inappropriate young children. Yeah, and that's what I was about to get to. The person sitting in front of us was probably thirties. 30s, yeah. 30-year-old man. Mm-hmm. And he had his seven-year-old and his three-year-old daughter with him. Yeah. Which, inappropriate just to start with. When we first sat down, they were playing ads for The Lion King and Abominable, I think it was. Yeah. And I turned around to a friend of the show, Joel, who came with us, and I went, did the usher say Cinema 5? Because I was worried we were actually in the wrong cinema. Mm-hmm. Because it just seemed wrong that there was children in front of us and they were playing children's movies. But no, we were in the right movie. But then later in the movie, once Hobbs and Shaw actually started, I think the older of the children 
needed to go to the toilet or something? No, no, he went on his own. He went on his he own. He left two children there. I well, thought he, he took to one toilet. child and left one child. But then the three-year-old had a massive meltdown. Yes. And I was sitting there thinking, who the fuck takes a three-year-old to the cinema, A, and who that the fuck- dumb cat. <laughs> Who the fuck leaves a three-year-old in the cinema to leave to go out out of the auditorium? Well, maybe he did take the other one. Well, I don't know. I think he but did. he was halfway up the aisle and the little one freaked out and he came running back. And freaked, I was well, like, she ran oh, after him. She yeah. screamed and chased after him and he came back and grabbed him. Fucking idiot. <laughs> like, how is that for parenting? I, mean, I understand. Year, really? It's Hobson Shaw. You want to go see it. On opening but, night. But couldn't get a sitter. Go Had to fucking drive in, you stupid idiot. Yes. But anyway, dickhead parents aside. And there was a toddler in there as well, like a baby baby. <laughs> Because you could hear them. Um, was there hear, honey? Hear it crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the baby was crying at, at some point. There was another baby in there. And the other thing, I think maybe just because we went to Epping, this, this I could be completely stereotyping the people of Epping. Mm. I think Netflix has ruined people because they just sit on the couch and they talk to the people sitting next to them about what they're watching. And people now go to the movies and they forget that they're in public and they shouldn't be talking to the people sitting next to them because the people sitting behind us. Talked through the whole movie. Really? I sat two seats from you and I didn't hear oh, anything. Oh, they, they were annoying me. They were almost at the point where I was going to stand up and shush them. Okay. But, I didn't hear a thing. Oh, you're lucky. It was giving me the shits. Okay. Although the seven-year-old in front of us, she yeah, actually- she Well, she talked a little bit, but she did pick that the female character was going to be Jason Statham's sister before yeah. anyone else did. I knew that. Was that meant to be a surprise? Well, I don't know. They kind of led it up to be a surprise in the movie. It's, Spoilers. It's all in the movie. It's all in the, all in the ads. ads. Yeah. Anyway- Cinema going, fucking ads. cinema going experience aside, I thought the movie was great. I thought the movie was good. The more I think about it, the more I think it's great. Yep. At the time, because we've, we've, we have talked a lot about Fast Five. Yes. And Fast Five is phenomenal. It, it's well done in the fact that Justin Lim directed an amazing film. Yeah. He directed two films to get to there, but he sort of built on what was built before. Yeah. Built on it, sort of played with the stereotypes exactly. a little. Exactly. He turned it from being a racing movie into a heist movie. Yeah, and, but he, he kept the establishment of family as the base and all this. But, you know, instead of putting a camera up a girl's ass while she dances in a short skirt and all this sort of stuff, he took all that out of it. Like, it, it, it was less male-gazy, more, very multicultural. Like, there's no more multicultural franchise out there than this thing. No. Paul Walker's the whitest thing in it, and that's it. Everyone yep. else is, you yep. know. Black, Hispanic. Asian. Samoan. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different types. And and the the car chase at the end of Fast Five just came out of nowhere. And they didn't show it in the trailer. So we only went because the podcast we listened to raved about it, and they didn't spoil it. And so we've got to fucking see this film, the way but, they've talked about it. We yeah, have to it was the first it. movie of the Fast franchise that I actually saw at the cinemas. The rest of them I'd waited till later on, and they were on TV <coughs> Video or whatever. Yeah, but they rave so much. So it's like, we have to see this fucking film. Oh, yeah. This has to be an excursion. So we went and saw it and we were blown away. Yeah. So that feeling is what I'm looking for in every Fast movie now. So that still is the epitome of the movies. And I think it holds together best because it took the silliness of the Fast franchise, put it up to this big, ridiculous ending that works well. Yeah. Then from then on, it's like, how far can we go? And, you know, the next one has its crescendo. It's like the big plane sequence at the end with a seven-kilometre, you know, runway. That's seven, isn't it? Or is that six? That's six. Okay. Seven is... Oh, no. You might be right. No, I, I think six was the one that had the... On the road. The helicopter with... What's his name? Dejun Houston with the minigun. 
No, in the car park. No, that's the next one. Oh, oh maybe. Each subsequent one from that, they've had their moments, but nothing tops the five. Because, yep. again, we watched it not knowing, and then the trailers show all the bits now. So, with did, uh, I rewatched, it was on telly, Fate of the Furious, which is part eight. Yep. That's actually really damn good, watching yeah. it again. Like, I mean, it's got a submarine, they're driving cars all over the ice. It's actually pretty good. Like, the one where they parachuted the cars out and then it was on the jumping down the sides of mountains and all yep. that sort of that was a bit naff. Because they're trying too hard yeah. to do it. They do help some short. So the history behind that is they introduced The Rock in Part 5. They introduced Jason Statham in Part 7, I think it is. I think it is, yeah. And the chemistry was good. Then in Part 8, obviously behind the scenes, there's rumours going around that The Rock and Vin Diesel didn't get along terribly well. Now the producers, even though The Rock and Vin Diesel are both producers on this, but going forward with the franchise, they've obviously decided that The Rock's a lot more bankable than Vin. Yep. So there is going to be a Fast 9, but they made a Hobbs and Shaw first. Because, yeah, I don't know if Vince is a dick or The Rock's more marketable. But either way. I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. So um, we got a Hobbs and Shaw film. So it's a spin-off of that. It's not as good as 5 because I didn't get that feeling because I, I knew going in what I was in for now because they've sort of established a tone now. And the trailers pretty much gave you everything. There was nothing that was shocked. Yeah, I hadn't seen many trailers, so oh, okay. I was lucky. Yeah, so I was like, I kind of just wish there's a bit where they go to Samoa, and I just wish they didn't show that at all. That yep. would have been great if you didn't see that, unless they're advertising to a Polynesian market to go see it. Maybe they are. It's a big enough market yeah. to do. So maybe that's what they're doing. But I just really don't want to know. Like, they've sold me on this movie already, so I've maybe got to stop watching trailers. But it's just like all the major set points at the end, which is like, oh, well, I know that's going to happen because I saw in the trailer that this thing happens. And it maybe I would have got that Fast Five feeling if I didn't know. Maybe. Because... Looking back, like I said, I, at the time I thought it was good, I was entertained, it was funny, it was well done, it was all these sort of things. But, it's like, but I sort of knew I wasn't shocked. But as I've come away and I'm thinking about it, it's like, fuck, of course I enjoyed it, it was funny, I enjoyed it. And it starts like better than most shit that's out there. So is it great? I think so. But I just was wanting that feeling without the, but I've seen it all. What I found was that all of the action scenes were completely unbelievable, which is exactly what I wanted. Yes. There was nothing that you looked at and went, well, I've kind of seen that before, other than maybe the car chase. Mm. I thought the car chase was a little bit passe, mm -hmm. but it wasn't the whole premise of the movie. The whole, for me, the premise was the relationship between Hobbs and Shaw and just the way they bounced off each other. Yeah. The fact that they didn't really like each other, but they were forced to work together. Yeah. But by the end of it, they kind of respected each mm. other. I thought the actress that played his sister, who I hadn't heard of before, mm. but she'd been in a lot of British TV, I thought she was really good. I thought Edris Elba was pretty much just I being Edris Elba. Edris Elba, though. He was big. He, he made a good bad guy, if that makes any sense. Mm. I liked the additions of the extra cameos. Well, there's well, they're, more they're, than cameos. Yeah, I was about to say well, there were probably one's more, more cameo. One's is like, is this no like, like this is Hobson Shaw Fast and Furious spinoff. Now, yeah. is this like, all right, we're going to start our own universe over here because we don't need that one over there. Because what's left in the other guys? So you've got Vin Diesel, who is he the guy they want to deal with anymore? Let's get the ten movies out of the way and be done with it. Yeah, the person who sided with Vin was Tyrese. Yeah. Now I was like, well, we don't have to deal with Tyrese anymore. And obviously Paul Walker died. Yep. And his wife is obviously out of the picture for that reason as well. Yep. All that's really left is Ludacris in the team 
that's of left of the original core team. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's create another universe with a potential team here. We can just tease them if we get them back or we don't. It doesn't really matter. So yep. it just opens it up for a lot more. And they're pretty big names. They are. Yeah, so the additions are good. And yeah. a shock because we had no idea that no, they were exactly. going to be there. It's like, what the fuck? I know that voice. Yeah. That's fucking him. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Interesting where they're going to go with this. And you can definitely tell that they are going to go more of this spin-off. Oh, they want to. Like, it's it's. it's I mean, it's a it's a huge franchise. We're talking like the Marvel DC. As much as people shit on them, made a lot of money as far as franchises go. With one, if you add them all up, Marvel is ridiculous. Star Wars is ridiculous. Yep. Transformers probably unjustly is a billion dollar franchise out there. But the Fast and Furious franchise is in the billions as well. Hmm. It's up there as a big, massive franchise. So yeah. uh, They wouldn't be cheap movies to make, though. Not now, no. No, but the effects in them, the even just the cars that they use are quite expensive but ca- cars because Jason oh, Statham's driving, driving the McLaren. They'd be given cars yeah. now. But you can see that people do want to see these sort of movies at the cinema because they are cinema event movies, really. They're spectacles. Exactly. And they're yeah. meant to be, yes. Yeah. And we're there for opening nights. Yeah. Which we don't, well, we don't go to the movies together for a start. No. It's just logistically, it's just hard. But we make the effort to see this one at the cinema on opening night. And we don't do that, don't do that with anything else. Well, you've been to a few Marvel movies on opening night. I do, but, but not yeah, we. I, no, we don't, definitely. No, together. So, yeah, yeah, this is our outing. This is our date night because I don't make Twilight anymore. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm glad we did see it at the cinema. Yeah. And I'm glad that there probably is going to be more of them because it is a real cinema movie. Yeah. And I did like the fact that they are now going post-credit little teasers as well. Yes, yeah. two. Was it two? Three, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, one sort of mid-credits and another one right at the end that you really should stick to for continuity of the story. You really need to wait till the end. But yeah, yeah I, I recommend it. Any other movies? No. All right. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up. I but before so. we do, I will just quickly mention, because we teased it last time, that we went to the last podcast on the left live show here in Melbourne. Yep. It was probably exactly what we were expecting. Yep. Based on the fact that we had seen their live show on their website. Mm-hmm. It was them getting up, doing some stories, doing some other little bits that they don't do on the podcast as far as audio visual mm-hmm. extra little screenings. The crowd was probably exactly what I thought it would be. Yep. A lot of people with neck beards and tattoos. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad we went. Oh, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. And it was fun hanging out with Julian James, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. That probably doesn't listen. No. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we went. No, and it-, it left me feeling... Not that I was going to hate last podcast on the left because I hated their fans. I kind of realised that their fans were what they were. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. As Jules put it when we were there and the crowd are hooting and hollering, he goes, they're the new rock stars, podcasters. Yeah. Where I see podcasters are dying art now. So it's for people of our generation, podcasting. Yeah. Because kids, I'm going to say kids, you know, teenagers don't listen to podcasts. They watch YouTubes and stuff like that. They subscribe to different channels and influencers and all that sort of stuff. They don't listen to podcasts. But the people who do have an audience in podcasting, they are like rock stars. Yeah. And they got a pretty decent crowd. Like, it wasn't a small venue. And it no, was, was at the plenary. And it was know. packed out. Mm. So, yeah. And they did, what, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane while they're here Perth. as well? Yep. Perth, yeah. So, good on them. Hopefully, yeah, they will come okay. back. Yeah, I think they will. If it's lucrative enough for them. Yeah, and we might get some other big-name podcasters come out here as well. Who knows? Mm, yes. Mm. But anyway, <coughs> that's, one of, mm. that's one of the biggest podcasts to us with our little amount of listeners that we have. But if you do have any feedback for us, for us, the listeners that are still out there, you can find us on our Facebook page. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is 
themapodcast.podbean.com and we are The MA Podcast on Twitter. So until we come back next month, thank you very much, Mitch. Not a problem. And we'll see you then. Bye.